Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. The Gen Z Basketball Coaching and Sports Business Show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, Anthony, what's going on? John, my man, I, I love the background as we just touched on, but it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear what you, what you have in store. Awesome, man. And I'm serious. When, when we first started connecting on LinkedIn, I was so excited. Number one, your energy, your passion. It's took at me right away. Just your, your love for the game. And then I'm like, this guy it just feels like an older version of myself. I have to have him on the show. So thank you so much. I know you, things are all crazy with the NBA and, and COVID and the season. And thank you for coming on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, same here, man. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the podcast, man. I, let's do it. Awesome. Yeah, to get right into it, I, like I said at the beginning, the biggest thing that happened with the similarities between the two of us, and the one question I get asked all the time now at 20 years old by everyone, my peers, people older than me, the freshmen that I coach, everyone always asks me, John, how do you get all this experience at this, at, at this age? How do you never with these people? How are you meeting these people? How do you do all that stuff, even though you're so young? Like, how does that even happen? And, and I'm curious, like, what were you doing in high school and college to set up the career you have now? Yeah, no, that's a great question, man. I, I feel like a lot of times that part of life or that part of your career gets brushed right over, right? Like people think, I guess, overnight success is, is overnight when in reality it's, you know, five years, 10 years of work. And so I knew that I wanted to work in sports. It's kind of funny because in high school, my original plan was to be a math teacher and coach. Obviously, you're in the coaching world. Like that's that's what I love to do. And I took AP Calc my senior year in high school and realized there's no possible way I actually want to be a math teacher, right? So that kind of shut me down. And so I'm going to college at this point and I'm getting ready to go to Seton Hall. I went, stayed in state, North Jersey. And I kind of realized like, look, I don't know really what I want to do, but the other thing in life that I love is basketball, right? I was that kid that I was either at the rec center or playing 2K with my friends, right? Like, it was just, I couldn't get enough of the game. And so I'm like, all right, I'll major in sport management. Again, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I told myself if I'm working in basketball, I think I'll be happy. And so in high school, I should say, like I, I played in high school, you know, but like that was the extent really. Uh, I didn't really think of it as a career aside from like, man, I would love to do something with the game. And so when I get to my freshman year in high school, I start knocking on doors, trying to get opportunities because at this point, like I, I know that I don't have any connections in the sports industry. You know, like there's no one I know that I can just call up and be like, hey, you know, can I get an internship? Can I do this? Can I do that? That just wasn't realistic. And so I go to the athletics uh, facility and I try to become a basketball manager. They kind of tell me no. They say they're full. Come back again next semester. So that first semester, really, I'm just like looking for opportunities. Nothing's hitting. I go back and then ultimately I become a manager. And so that was the first domino that fell. Once that happened, uh, I realized like, man, I love being around the game, especially college. And so I wanted to work different basketball camps that summer. And very quickly, my freshman year, somehow, by the grace of God, I was able to work uh, Coach K's Duke camp, UConn, Kevin Ollie. Um, I did Seton Halls, and then I feel like there was another one that's slipping my mind, but um, I traveled around a lot that summer, and that all came about by me sending blind emails, just looking up 
these different camps and the counselors and whoever's running them email and saying like, Hey, I would love to coach at your camp. Like, do you have any positions available? Um, you know, and it's, it's 200, 250 bucks for the entire week. Uh, you know, they give you food and housing. And basically that, that fee is just my driving to get down there, right? Like the eight hour drive to Duke or whatever it was. And so those were the real early years, a lot of camps, a lot of volunteering at, you know, pro camps. Actually, I did, believe it or not, I did a pro camp, a Carmelo Anthony pro camp at Baruch College, your, your spot. And so <laughs> <laughs> I did that. And those were the real early years. And then that led me into my sophomore year. I started a club on campus called the Sports Networking Association. And from there, it was kind of like internship after internship. And uh, until ultimately, you know, I graduated and got my start. But those are the early days. A lot of a lot of youth basketball. <laughs> and those early days definitely gave you the skills and set you up for what you're doing now. It's incredible, right? Thinking about the lead up to all that. Another thing I thought was awesome. I, I didn't know you started that sports networking student association. So that's one thing I'm, I love. And I'm curious as to, right, being in a leadership position for the first time in that club and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to help everyone in this club get those positions in sports. What did that look like for you? Because that must have been so cool in, in making that happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it opened so many doors for me and the people in the club, right? Like that, that was the goal. And really, you know, my background is I come from, I did the educational opportunity program. So for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's basically if your family's tuition like falls under a certain point and you're a really good student, you meet a bunch of different qualifications, the school will actually pay for your tuition. So that's why I went to Seton Hall because I, I went through that program. And so I say this because very early on, finances were obviously on my mind, right? Like as a sophomore, I wanted to start going to these networking events. Obviously, there's some amazing sports networking opportunities held nationwide, whether it's virtual now with COVID for the most part. But when I was doing it, you know, there were things in D.C. There were things in, you know, we went to Ohio a few times, all these different events. And like before that club I remember a friend, a friend of mine, a really, really good friend of mine. He works uh, with the Big Ten right now. Actually, I'm wearing a Big Ten shirt, believe it or not. That, that's not planned, but wanted to go to these events. I'm sitting here like, man, I can't afford this. Like, what am I going to do? Because, you know, I'm paying for college. I'm doing all these things. I'm still working in the summer, like just to pay my rent and, and room and board. And so we're like, yo, let's just start a club, right? There's probably a lot of people who want to go to these things, but don't or can't pay out of pocket. And so we kind of put our minds together, met with our advisor and called it the Sports Networking Association and said like, look, our number one mission is going to be to raise money, fundraise the hell out of everything, and then give students the opportunity to travel to like this DC symposium and all these different events and, and bring in guest speakers, right? Like stuff like this, just so we can get exposure to people in the industry. And uh, it's crazy, man. I never... Like I, I did it uh, because, you know, my friend and I, we were just having fun with things. Like we thought it was an opportunity for us to get places and, you know, to bring people with us. And uh, obviously I started as a, at the end of my sophomore year. And so I was president junior and senior year. So I had two full years until ultimately we turned over the reins. And like in those two years, it was just amazing. Everything we were able to do and then uh, leave it off. And it's, it's amazing that it's, it's still running today. Uh, I still have a relationship with a lot of the people who were on the e-board after me and even, even currently, even though I graduated in 2017, four years later, it's so nice and seeing like their LinkedIn page, it always puts a smile on my face, you know? <laughs> 
And that's what it's all about, right? You mentioned leaving a legacy through that club. And that's, I mean, that's the thing I struggle with most with my club is, okay, obviously I could have all the great events I have now, but what's really going to be great about this club is if in four years, once I'm gone, um, it's still able to survive on its own. And what I thought was so cool is when you mentioned not being able to afford tickets and, and getting in through admission to go to these games. So you had to get creative. And, and, and one of them was through the club. But another way that you did it that you didn't mention was interning at these places and actually being on staff to where you're not paying admission, right? You're working the games in some way. You, you did a bunch, whether it's with the Giants, with PGA, uh, with, with the Barclays Center. What did all those internships look like in A, giving you the skills down the line that you needed right through those internships, but B, obviously you're able to enjoy such high level basketball, golf, all these different sports. Yeah, no, nah, definitely, man. Definitely. If you can get the intern seat, that's, that's always the first priority, right? But uh, no, man, all three of those, well, the, I saw I had three internships, right? It was the PGA, the New Jersey PGA. Keep in mind, I'd never picked up a golf club in my life before that internship, right? I'm all basketball all the time. Um, and then it was the Big East, which was amazing because that's, you know, really the line of work that I wanted to be in. And then the New York Giants. Again, I probably haven't, I haven't watched the Super Bowl in four years, man. I, I couldn't tell you a single play, you know, like aside from the stars, right? Like I'm, I'm just all in hoops and that's all I really ever cared about. And so I was in these different situations where, it's not what I wanted to do per se. And it, it was an uncomfortable space because, you know, I didn't know the rules of the game. I didn't know a lot, but it was great because one, I learned a ton just about the sports and about everything with uh, those businesses in general. But two, like, I was just so hungry to get any opportunity, right? Like two of the three were unpaid. And frankly, in the summertime, when you're showing up to golf courses at 5 a.m., and you're living up in North Jersey in an apartment that you're paying for by doing landscaping on, on off days. And then there's no AC and it's an unpaid internship where you're showing up to golf courses at, you know, like I said, 5 a.m. to get ready for tea time, to be out there all day in the heat. Like you learn very quickly whether or not you really, really want this, right? And I think anyone in the sports industry, like you find what your breaking point is and you figure out how bad do I want to be in sports, right? And so those those were all three amazing experiences that I, would, I wouldn't trade for the world. And then the, the game attendee actually was with Barclays. So I used to take the train in the subway. I guess you're familiar with, with that whole system. I'm a, I'm a Jersey guy, so I prefer my car. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I, I would go into Barclays and I would kind of be a manager or do manager duties for different college tournaments that they hosted. And it's funny, actually. No, everyone forgets about Ben Simmons's documentary. He has he has a documentary, I think, on HBO, but it's called One and Done, I believe. And yep. actually, there's there's a pretty funny shot of him bringing up the ball and me running out with a mop and, and swiping the floor oh, right after. And it, it's a great shot. But uh, so, and that all happened just through someone I had met through the club, uh, the equipment manager actually for the Brooklyn Nets. Great guy. His name's Joe Cuomo. He's phenomenal. He uh, actually did his MBA at Seton Hall. And I had reached out to him and he, he brought me in for a tour of their, it was their old facility at the time, uh, brought me in for a tour. We got along and then he couldn't, put me on to the Nets game attendee job because I was a manager and I had too many, like it was too much of a time requirement. But uh, he told me that if I wanted to do college games, I could definitely do the tournaments when they came in. And like, that's the power of, you know, like you meet a good person and they're willing to help you out. And it's just like amazing. So many people have helped me out along the way. And in, in each of those roles, there's been like a champion for, for me, honestly, 
and someone that I look at as a mentor that has really like helped me with things like that. I love that thinking about the grind that you went through. And of course, the mentors you met along the way. But the one thing, no matter what, that I know for a fact from everything you just said is that you're a basketball freak, right? The way I am, the way a lot of our listeners are, you love the game. And if the game's around it, you're going to you're gonna enjoy whatever it is you're doing. Um, so, I mean, the one thing I mean that I think is a clear testament to that on top of what you just said is that you're IABO certified. You're, 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 you work to be an official. Just another one of our the similarities that made me say, okay, wow, we, I have so much in common with this guy. I passed the written test two months ago. I can't take the floor test until the fall, September, October, when we're actually able to go in person. Um, hopefully that goes well. But definitely, I mean, that's just another layer of, of this love for the game and wanting to understand as much as best you can. Tell me a little about that and, and what that certification was like and, and why you did it. No, so that's that's amazing. First off, being a ref is such an interesting, you know, experience. I definitely don't ref as many games as I'd like to. Just the way things panned out, um, there was a point in time where I had left my full-time job and I was only working with the NBA part-time at night. And so in my free time, like I'm very much of the mindset of like, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I have all this free time. I want to put it to good use. And so I was doing a ton of like analytics and research projects. But one thing that came up was going through the referee course. And I was like, wow, this could be a great part-time job. Uh, I love basketball. Like, you know, I'm very close with my coaches and I think refing is just another side of the game. And it's, it's really interesting to see from their perspective. And, and especially because my full-time job, we were working with the NBA referees in a training capacity. And so that role was virtual reality training. And basically my, my job was to get the NBA reps to try to use our product. And so we provided them with an experience where they could basically get unlimited practice, right? So they would be in the virtual reality headset, but they would see the court and they would be able to make calls live. And we had some phenomenal talks with like Joey Crawford and all these different big time guys who, who run that department. And so the refing side always fascinated me. I loved seeing that and like interacting with these guys. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this because ultimately it was, you know, 250 bucks. Like, uh, I forget how long, six weeks or however long the course was in person, a bunch of in-person classes. And then we had on court lessons and it was just a fun, fun experience. Like I definitely, because of all the spreadsheet freelance and, and the strength and sheet stuff that I'm doing now, um, I don't ref as, as much as I like, but for that first year, I was doing a lot of youth games, uh, anywhere between third and fourth grade, which is, it's much slower, a lot, just telling kids space out, space out, but uh, up until like freshman in high school, which was amazing. Like eighth grade, I think was the perfect speed for me. You know, I'm not as fast as I used to be. So if I'm doing seniors in high school, I got, I got to get up, up and back to court. But believe it or not, honestly, I probably don't even have to tell you, like even at that third and fourth grade level, there's still parents that take it like it's the pros, right? Like you're getting chewed out. Um, and that's just something that you, you have to have tough skin to be a ref. And I'm sure you'll do an amazing job, I think you know, your personality fits well with refing, but overall, man, it's, it's really managing the flow of the game. Like that's ultimately what you're doing, right? Like that's, that's the job is to protect the players and manage the flow of the game. And it's not easy. So. <laughs>
Definitely not easy. And I learned that right away, just thinking about being actually being on the court. So I'm definitely going to have to look into that VR stuff. And that, that I find that super interesting. But one thing is, um, in terms of me actually me being a ref, the one thing I'm scared of, I've never been given a tech in my life. I'm not sure how well I'm going to be able to dish them out. We'll have You're to see how I'm easy. That, that's hey, the... probably. That, that, also, that, that also just leads to more frustration. But we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. It'll be fun. <laughs> but obviously, right, all that stuff, and this all, everything we spoke about just sets up all the skills you've learned, right? Through high school, college. Um, and, and right, it's, everything's kind of just jammed into one. I mean, it's kind of funny. Everyone listening is like, oh, this probably took him like 20 years to do all this stuff. And you did it in like four, right? So that's <laughs> that's just a re- that's really cool to think about. But it all cultivated, cultivated with, with where you've been now for the last few years being at, at the NBA. So, I mean, how did that whole opportunity present itself to you? I mean, and, you, and you've moved, been moving up through there for the last few years. Like, what, how, how's that been going? It's I, I mean, yeah. obviously great. No, I appreciate that. It's It's been fun, man. Obviously, like I said, when I got to college, my goal was to get to the NBA or get with the team. And so getting a job with the league office was was the dream, right? And I feel like I'm living it every day still. And so it was a challenge. Ultimately, my first job out of school, like I said, somehow through a LinkedIn conversation, I landed with a sports training startup company that is based in Palo Alto, California, you know, the tech valley of the world, like true down the street from Stanford, like startups that you see in movies, right? Like I feel, you know, out of place, I'm remote, so I'm still in New Jersey, but, you know, I'm, I'm in the room as a, you know, 20, 20 year old kid, whatever, 21 year old kid um, with some of the smartest people in in the country right like Stanford graduates all these all these amazing engineers and I was in a role there where I was doing sports partnership and a lot of just like overall player operations and we were working with different football teams that's how we got our start so like I said the whole idea of the business was to take virtual reality or I should say take any scenario really in life put it in virtual reality and be able to replicate it as many times as possible so that people can practice these events. And so we started with backup quarterbacks because if you're Bryce Petty or whoever it is, Chandler Hackenberg were the guys at the Jets at the time, you might not be getting the practice reps because you're not the starter, but you still want to see and visualize that. And so my job was every single practice, I'd stand 10 yards behind the quarterback. I would film the, the whole practice and then I'd go back, cut up all the tape, do all the editing, whatever needed to be done, get it in the software and the headset so that after practice, Chandler or whoever it is, a lot of times our kicker, actually Chandler Kenzel, amazing guy, someone I still talk to today, actually just like one of the best people in the world. Uh, he would use our software all the time because he wanted to see his kicks in virtual reality um, and just visualize himself make after make after make in that setting. And so um, that was really my primary job. I started working with the Pistons and the Wizards and some other teams as well. Like I said, that led us into the NBA referees because we could take any situation and give these people extra practice. And so during that time, I had seen a job online, just a part-time night basketball ops job. Obviously, I had basketball ops experience through all the work I had done. And it was all about tracking statistics and making sure the stats are 100% correct. So basically what that meant was looking at a game and working with the on-court statisticians to confirm like everything that's marked as marked as an assist is 
an assist to the right person all blocks right like steals every single thing has to be 100 accurate especially because of all the gambling it's it's very tricky now uh you can't let anything slip through the cracks and so that was the job i had applied and brought it up to some of the guys that i had met through like that referee group and ultimately helped me out and and one thing led to the next and i was doing that at night and still doing my full-time job and so it was a lot of like you know 70 hour weeks a lot of just that's all i was really doing weekends and and nice and it was amazing though i felt like i was just enjoying life as a whole and uh it was a phenomenal like growth period for me and so ultimately my full-time job called the, the company's name is striver they started to pivot into corporate training so we started working with walmart bmw chipotle all these large fortune 100 companies because just like we could work with backup quarterbacks we could take any situation in a company's training, for instance, customer service or customer satisfaction, how to respond to an emergency situation. So active shooters, tornadoes, any weather scenario, all these different things, we can put them in virtual reality and then put their employees in those situations and prepare them for it, right? So that the first time an emergency situation happens in their store, they actually have felt like they've been there before, right? And so it was an amazing pivot for the company. I mean, they're doing super well. I'm rooting for them, obviously. Uh, you know, I have my stock options there. So that's one reason, but but two, uh, they're just like amazing people. I talk to a lot of their employees all the time. When when I joined, like we had, we switched offices twice, you know, like I said, in two years, it was just so many new employees like i was looked at as one of the the older guys which was insane i was this 21 year old kid doing full demos to you know nba and nfl staffs and all these different organizations but because it was a startup that was the experience i was getting and until ultimately uh, we pivoted away from sports and they wanted me to focus on walmart uh, because that was that's fortune number one right like that's the biggest company in, in America at that time. And so that was our number one client. We had closed like a $5 million deal with them. It was, you know, life-changing, but ultimately I was so close-minded to anything aside from basketball, right? Especially at that age, I had the nighttime job with the league already. I had told myself like, look, I, I want to be at the league. If this is Walmart, then this doesn't help me. And so my CEO knew that we were very, very close. He was a former Stanford football player. Again, our sports team was only six people. So we were all really, really close knit. And we were like, you know, the the early, the early end of the company until we grew into corporate training. And so he comes to me, he's like, look, I think I already know your answer. What do you think? And I told him, you know, I think it's best we part ways. And they they cut me my stipend. And then, you know, like I said, it's all a good relationship. But I went back to my MBA boss at that time and told them, you know, what happened and how I want to be here full time. If there's anything, just keep me in mind. And a few months goes by, he brings me up upstairs in a full time role where I'm helping kind of like a library historian role where uh, I'm like retrieving footage. So like if an editor in house needs something, they might say, hey, we're looking for one. Michael Jordan patted this referee on the back. We think it was between 1989 and 1993, like playoffs. I would go through all those clips, try to find that exact moment, send it back to him, right? So it was really cool because this was when the last dance was going on. And so I got to see, you know, what that really looked like in terms of producing it and like building it footage wise. And so that was amazing. And then 
once I was in, you know, one thing led to the next until ultimately I got to what I'm doing now and, and I'm really enjoying and that's been, you know, life and career changing as well. And so it was really all just about like that, that initial company, uh, they took a chance on me and then somehow I was able to leverage the MBA connections from that initial company. And then uh, next thing you know, I, I guess I'm here, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm blown away just because, I mean, the, the stuff you do as a driver, I mean, it might be, not be a company that everyone knows about, but I'm blown away. I mean, number one, super cool stuff that they're doing there. And number two, I find it so cool. I mean, I always think of myself as, okay, if it's not, if it's basketball, I'm going to give my all and I'm going to be super into it. And if it's not, I just won't be. It's just, that's just how it is. Um, and right. hearing you, you're the first person I've spoken to that's turned down an awesome job to stay yeah. in basketball. And that is so cool because I feel, I mean, I've never been in a situation, but I feel like I would, I would react the same way. And I know a lot of other people would too, just because yeah. when, when you love something that much, it's not work. And even if something else is really, really cool, um, it still might just be a little bit more work than the basketball is because the basketball is just not. Oh, the basketball right, is right, right, right. So, I mean, I, I definitely went to that big time and that's really, really cool and thinking about that. Obviously, like you said, the progression through the NBA, whether it's when you first got there doing stats, then you're a production trainee, right? Like you said, going through the library of everything that's going on, the Jordan stuff. I mean, the last dance, like playing any kind of role in that. I mean, must've been huge. Everyone was talking about it at the start of quarantine. I'm, I'm curious then, I, I did see where maybe they were taking the Phantom camera around and doing that stuff before the pandemic happened. Uh, the, for those that don't know, I mean, those I know what those shots are because when I would edit mixtapes for my own self, I would only look at Phantom cam highlights because those are so beautiful. Like, what was, I mean, that camera is such a, like, like an important piece of like the NBA. Like, what was it like kind of being responsible for that and taking that all around? Yeah, no, I mean, that role is an amazing job for someone who loves basketball and wants to see the world, right? Like if you want to travel and you don't need sleep, then, then it's the perfect position for you. But so really, again, like the library stuff led me into that. And my job was ultimately preparing all of the phantom tech or phantom camera equipment, which is bundles, right? Like there's probably four cases of different things because it's just such, like you said, it's it's a massive camera. There's tons of preparation that goes into it and you, you have to be super, super attentive to detail because if you forget one thing, the whole shoot could be ruined because now you're across the country and you don't have a specific cable that you literally, you can't get at a Best Buy, you can't get at a normal store, right? Like it's specific to that camera. And so you have to be super, super thorough and making sure everything that you need is getting on that flight or getting in your car with you. And so the first step is checking down all the gear and then shipping it wherever it needs to go. So um, for instance, like we have some, we work with a company who comes to our office whenever we call them, they take the gear, you know, take it to the airport, do all that. And then it will meet me at the hotel wherever I go. And so the job looks like this. Typically I'll ship out the gear probably the day before the game. That next morning, I will be on the first flight out. We always do first flight out, first flight in, because if there's any delays and I can't make the game, then again, the amount of dollars that are being put into this shoot when it comes down to employee costs, travel costs, everything with the fandom camera, like they're, they're expensive shoots. So your mission is to get it done, right? Once you sign up for it, like that's it. And so first flight out, first flight in. So I'm heading to Newark airport, you know, 5 a.m., whatever it is. Uh, getting on a flight, touching down in that city. Uh, my last trip, right? Actually, last season when we were traveling a lot, my very last trip, right, it's crazy. The week before COVID hit, I flew out to Dallas, worked a game, got in a rental car the next morning, drove to Houston, worked a game, got on a flight the next morning, flew to New Orleans, worked a game, 
flight the next morning, flew home. And so typically I didn't do three games a week. Usually it was two. Uh, that was just a heavy week because games are, frankly, they're really stressful. Like there's a lot that goes into them. Again, like there's so much preparation. And, and when I'm actually at the game, um, part of my job is to, you know, set up all the camera equipment for the camera guy so that when he gets there, he's ready to shoot the players arrive. He's ready to get warm-ups. He's ready to do the game, everything he needs. And I'm assisting him with the different settings. That's more my, my responsibility because, again, the phantom camera is super, super slow motion. But as you can imagine, if one of those settings is knocked off, then the whole thing could be ruined. And it's there's a lot of settings, a lot of things that you just need to know. And so training is very much in depth. And so, you know, throughout the game, we're pulling social media clips. So when there's a timeout, I'll run out to the camera guy. We have this little machine basically that downloads the clip. And so I, I move very quickly because obviously, you know, the buzzer's going off, run back to my computer quickly, you know, chop it up, edit it, and then send it to our social team so that they can get it out on all these different platforms as, as soon as possible. And so throughout the game, that's kind of what, what we're doing. And then we're also taking the first half, making a B-roll of it, which is really just, you know, like a highlight package in some sense. And then the second half doing the same exact thing. After the game, I'm doing a top 10 plays of the game or top five, actually, I think it is top five plays of the game. And then all those videos will go and be distributed to our partners, right? And that's how people get the footage. And so you have to be like super, super attentive, you know, between the preparation and the actual camera stuff. And then also the video, because like you said, it's super slow motion. If a guy curses, right? Like we don't want that out there. Like we, there's a lot of things that we look for. Um, and then when everything's all set, we call it a night and pack everything up, ship it to the next city. You know, it could be 1 a.m. or midnight and I'm calling the shipping service saying like, hey, can you come get this from my hotel or whatever it is? And then usually I'll go get food and, you know, first flight out. And so it's quick turnaround, not not a normal sleep schedule by any means, but um, it, it was an amazing role. I still help out with it a lot uh, this season. I think I've only done like six games. So it's more when we have a real need for someone because someone else can't do it. I'll step in like I, the furthest I've traveled this year is, is DC just because of COVID. A lot of Philadelphia games, a lot of Nets, Knicks, which is nice. The local teams have been very good this year. And so it makes our lives a lot easier, but that job is is amazing. And I think it's, it's, it's an experience that I'll truly never forget. And I think anyone who loves sports and loves seeing different arenas and if you like travel points, right? Like you want some flight points, that's that's a good way to stack them up. I know some people who, you know, my manager in that role, he's been all over the world, you know, like internationally and, and he's done this stuff for, you know, USAB and the Olympics. And it's just amazing the things basketball can take you, right? And that's that's ultimately what I was doing down in the bubble as well, like mainly that that role and two months in Orlando again. It's just amazing what this little orange ball can do for your life, right? <laughs> it's funny. I was just about to say the little orange ball. Rick Mahorn, when I went to his basketball camp, said this orange ball can get you anywhere, right? It can get yeah. you a girlfriend. It can get you a house. It can get you all this great <laughs> stuff. It can take you around the world. All those other things can't get you good with this, with at dribbling or shooting this little orange ball, which is fun. Right. Right? None of those things can give it to you, but that ball can give you everything else. Um, yep. It's funny that you said that, right? Because it, it is true that you've been able to obviously travel and do all these cool things with that. I want to personally thank you for being a part of the Phantom Cam and taking that everywhere because I love that content. <laughs> I look it up all the time. And I, I wish that camera was every NBA arena for every for all 82 games. That would be beautiful. <laughs> it would cost millions of dollars. Yeah, that'd be our dream too. So 
Let, let's maybe, maybe in a few years, maybe in a few years, maybe the next time the salary cap spikes up, maybe that'll happen. But right. until then, I mean, we'll just obviously enjoy when, when, when those, when those huds do exist. And those are for, for those listeners listening. Those are kind of the highlights you'd see maybe in an attribute video or in like the, in the mini movies, obviously, because for the finals, they have those everywhere, right? For those, yeah. for those things, like for Knicks games, I know they always show, it's kind of like the same highlights. You're like, why do they show those highlights? Oh, because well, those are the ones that they took in the fan cam and they look really good. Right. Um, that's why we're always <laughs> using those. But great thing about how that actually comes to life. And, and you mentioned, right, your time in the bubble and, and doing some of that sort of stuff there. Obviously, a lot of the stuff with, with Google Sheets, I'd imagine, right, it kind of all maybe started up around when the pandemic started and when the bubble came into play. I'm curious maybe what that, that bubble life was like for you, but also, right, the transition of your work from flying to different cities all the time to now you're, you're kind of remote doing all this Google Sheet stuff. Right. Yeah, no. So it's a two part question. I'll, I'll hit on both. And so the transition from Phantom Camera to Google Sheets was one that actually started last season, like as I was on the road. And so my my typical work week was I was either flying to a different city or I was in the office doing Google Sheets projects. And that all kind of came about, you know, kind of funny how, how it went through. But my VP had recognized, you know, like I had these skills and I just became obsessed with improving them and really, really trying to be great at it. And so every single night on flights, everything, like I've spent so much money on courses and like, there's not a YouTube video that I probably haven't watched on Google Sheets, right? Like that's just the level of obsession. I I had to learn this stuff. And so I fell in love with those because ultimately they're like mini puzzles, right? Like my VP would come to me and say like, Hey, can you do this? Or this group wants this done. And, you know, I would always just say, yeah, like we can do, I genuinely believe there's a way to always figure that's that type of work out. And so I fell in love with solving these puzzles. Right. And, and uh, ultimately I went down in the bubble and that was kind of my, not last horizon phantom camera. Cause like I said, I still do it every now and then, but I did it for those, those two months. I was still doing Google sheets down there as well, but ultimately like, when I got back, I had the conversation with my VP and it was like, hey, look, like your future is in is in Google Sheets, right? Like, this is what we need. This is what you like doing. Uh, it's a vital part of our business. And like, if that's what you want to do, then we were both in agreement that while the games are fun, career-wise and building skills and bringing value to this company, a thousand percent, it was, it was doing these Google Sheets projects. And so now that's what I'm doing, you know, if I work 10 hours of the day, I'm either in meetings for, you know, it's, it's meetings or Google sheets, right? Like that's, that's really my day almost every day. And uh, obviously because of the pandemic that, that picked up so much because these are things that won't go away, but a lot of them started because of, do you know, the nature of the business and being, having the need to work in a collaborative space and doing all these different things and tracking these projects so that other people can see it in in an easier sort of access way and uh ultimately like i mean the bubble to answer your question there it was it was an amazing experience like truly if if i could have had my family being able to visit and, and my girlfriend down there like i would have never left it was the most amazing like life situation i mean the food, you know, we talked about this before. The food to me was phenomenal. I could have eaten the, that meal like for, you know, if, if I had those chefs up here, I would be the happiest guy in the world. Um, and then we had, 
you know, beautiful weather for the most part, a lot of rain, which, you know, made things tough, but we played pickleball. That was, that was the sport of the bubble. Anyone who's listening, you have to go look up NBA referees, just Google NBA referees, Orlando bubble. They played pickleball literally every single day. It became something that everyone got involved in. I mean, we were able to go to the pool, do all these different things. A lot of it was long days. We had 16 hour days plus, you know, like quick turnaround, late nights, early mornings. It was, it was a true grind, but ultimately it was an experience that I learned so much, got so close with so many amazing people, just met some really, really smart and phenomenally talented minds. Right. And I think being down there in two months was just an experience that opened doors for me and really opened my eyes to what it takes, right. To like make this thing happen. Right. Like I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm, you know, 25 years old and I don't have a family, you know, I don't have a family to support. I don't have kids. There's people who were in their forties who made huge sacrifices to go down there. And that stuff doesn't go unnoticed to me, right? Like I know what I had to sacrifice to do this. So I can't imagine what a lot of these people, you know, had to do. Right. And that's just the level of commitment that we all have to the game and the NBA. And that's, that's ultimately what it takes, I think, to advance a career here. And, uh, Overall, though, man, the bubble was an experience. Like I said, I will never forget. I don't know if I'd want to do it again, you know, two months, but but I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. You know, there are definitely days where I wake up and I miss it, right? Like the, I miss, you know, the pool and seeing people and and that that type of work and just making feeling like we're all here for a common goal and doing whatever it takes to let an NBA team raise the trophy. Um, and honestly, it was it was really sweet. I'm unbiased working for the league, but Frank Vogel went to my high school. He's he's our he's our most notable alumni. His cousin was my English teacher. And so seeing that, it was just special, you know, like being able to be at my first finals and a Wildwood High School graduate wins it. It, it was just unbelievable, like something I'll never forget. That's true. A funny coincidence, but I mean, just in general, right? Thinking everyone else that I've had on the show from the bubbles kind of says about like you touched on it at the end about how obviously being away and not wanting to do it again and all that stuff. But just thinking about how much you love the eggs and and being there. Uh, the pool and right. It was basically. summer camp, man. It was it was summer, summer yeah. camp on steroids. That's what it was. <laughs> No, it's basketball summer camp, if anything. So it's, I mean, it's just even better. But of course, thinking about all that um, is great and thinking about just the, the experience you had there. I'm, I'm curious about you. You mentioned a lot of the stuff you were doing in Sheets. If you could talk a little about strength in Sheets and the program you built and maybe how our listeners came more involved in that because that's super cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for it right after we get off this call. If we, if we can stay for a little <laughs> bit, we'll get it all set up. But I, I want it for our, so our listeners can know because they won't have you there to guide them through it, uh, but they might have you guide them through the class. So tell them a little bit about what they could do. Yeah, no, definitely. Strength and Sheets is basically an online course now that I've set up to learn Google Sheets and all, I'm, I'm transitioning into other software as well. But primarily right now it's teaching Google Sheets using basketball, basketball examples. So scouting, player evaluation, all these different models that you would actually use in the sports business, right? Like even sales pipelines that I've built for companies, all these different things like these transferable skills that you learn in a basketball sense can lead you into doors that you would have never imagined, right? Like I did a project for the United States Department of Agriculture a few weeks ago. And these are skills that, you know, like I learned through the NBA 
NBA's work and through basketball, but now I can take them anywhere, right? And so when I look back and realize like, hey, Google Sheets, all these projects, like this is not what I expected my career uh, to look like, right? When I was in college, I hated Excel. It, I was a great student. I cared a lot. And that was the one class where I just couldn't focus. Like I thought it was super boring. Uh, you know, I was watching basketball games on my computer. I was playing chess, doing literally anything except looking at the professor. And I used to get called out all the time. Like I just didn't, I, I truly couldn't care. And I never thought it was relevant for what I wanted to do. Again, like I was very motivated. It's not that I was lazy by any stretch of the imagination. I just thought like, why am I in this class, right? Like I could be scouting a player. I could be doing this other stuff on my computer that is more valuable to me. Fast forward, find myself at a position with the league where now it's literally all I'm doing. And it's been completely life-changing for me. Like I said, it's open doors in the freelance world. It's open doors at work. And when I look back and I think like, man, what, what happened? It's because I saw it in basketball terms. Once I started seeing these projects and seeing what Google Sheets can do with basketball, I was like, man, this is cool. Like, this is actually something I really, really love. And school didn't give me that by any means. And so um, a friend of mine who I work with in the league, he's, he's an amazing guy. He, uh, we're writing on Slack and he's just like, yo, man, I would, I would pay you to teach me this stuff. And I was like, really? Uh, like, I never really thought about that. And like I said, at the start of this podcast, I actually used to want to be a teacher. That was my plan. And so I've always had this itch that I've wanted to scratch. And I put out a post on LinkedIn, kind of said like, look, I'm running a four week boot camp live every Wednesday night. Uh, you're going to learn everything there is to know about Google Sheets A to Z. And we're going to do it using basketball examples. And for anyone who wants to work in sports or is just a sports fan and wants to touch up on their business skills, like it's for you, right? And then I set the price. I had about 30 people in the first course. It was phenomenal. Couldn't believe all the feedback I got. Like it, it was just so heartwarming hearing how, how much people were impacted and like how valuable they felt it was. Like people told me I should be charging double, all these different amazing things, right? And so I'm like, man, that was fun. This was really, really impactful and I want to do it again. And so I put out another post and I got another 30 people. And I'm like, man, this is phenomenal. And so I did eight weeks live. And ultimately the one challenge that I had was getting people always in at the same time, right? Like people have very busy schedules. It's hard. College kids have class, you know, certain nights and all. And so I pivoted into selling recordings. So basically I, I was in this, I call this, the shred shed and a lot of people might be wondering where where i'm at but this is my little home gym setup um i call it the shred shed obviously you can't have strength and sheets without the strength so this is where a, a lot of my uh you know talking and these projects are done in this little treadmill desk but i recorded the whole lectures uh it's four one hour i guess four one hour lectures assignments a bunch of resources and then i tell everyone that it's going to be different from any online class that you have because I give everyone my phone number, right? Like that's the very first thing I say. I want people to hit me up with any questions, anything that they find challenging, any ideas they have. Literally, I want to be there for anyone who goes through that class because, again, I wanted to teach. I want there to be this personal aspect where, like, you really feel like you're learning. And, and I kind of sell myself on the fact that this class is going to be much cheaper than any other you know, Google Sheets Excel class that you're looking at, right? Like I only charge 65 bucks. And frankly, like there's 
one of our biggest competitors is Miss Excel. She charged like 250, right? And we're just like, you know, I view it differently than she does. I understand the value in it. I'm sure I could charge more, but ultimately like for me, again, circling back, I didn't have $250 as a college kid. Like, and I wouldn't have thought that was something I should do, right? And so I want this to be a cheap way where people can learn in a more interesting way, right? Like there's no other really course that teaches Google Sheets using this basketball information. And again, you're gonna develop skills that like literally can be used anywhere, sales, marketing, operations, scouting, like it's all it's all one and the same, right? Like once you understand how to do this stuff. And so those are kind of the two things that I really pride myself on is just making it cheaper and making it more interesting. And overall, it's it's been amazing, man. Like we've We've sold uh, just under a hundred courses so far. Um, it's been an amazing time for me. Like I, I can't even believe the the level of support that I've gotten and the people who really believe in it. And like I said, I, I'm working with some other people who are in the sports industry that are sp like specialists in their own regard. And so someone, he, he was scouting for the Miami Heat for four years. He's putting together a salary cap course for me. Um, and like this stuff's going to take time, but I'm hoping, you know, two years from now, we're going to be a much cheaper version of sport management worldwide, which they offer basketball analytics classes, but they're, you know, $1,100 or whatever it is. They're, they're very expensive. And like, I understand there's value in it a thousand percent, but what we're going to do is provide you real tangible skills that you can take out of the sports world and you can do it at your own pace. You know, like you're going to have these videos for life. And ultimately I'm here to guide you through it. And so it's different than an online course. Again, like we're, we're really new. I'm kind of like learning as I go. I'm not a web developer by any means. I got a little website up, so it's rugged, but we're, we're getting through it. And I think ultimately, as long as people are learning and they're happy and feeling like they're getting their money's worth, like I tell everyone too, if you go through it and you feel like this was not worth your $65, I'll send it back. I have no problem doing that, right? Like I, I want this to be something that, really is valuable to everyone who goes through it. So that's strength and sheets. <laughs> I love that. I love how you were able to take your passion of basketball and put it into something that outside of basketball, Excel, right? Or Google Sheets, everyone listening to this is like, okay, that's super boring. No one finds that interesting. Right, when you right. put it with basketball, it's fun for the listeners. It's fun for me. And it's obviously, it's been your passion. It's super fun for you. So I, right. I absolutely love how you're able to, to put those two ideas together and make them something fun and to where it's your passion now. People love it. Um, pe people definitely find value out of it and the skills out of it. So I I'm so happy you're able to do that. Now, the one thing when you show, when you said that, you know, putting the, putting the strength and strength in sheets and you showed your, your, your wall, is that an iconic, you only showed it for two seconds, an iconic wall, uh, wallpaper on, on, on your wall? Oh, here we go, man. You know what? This is the, I noticed it right away because on, on the other wall, this is the jersey wall. This is the quote wall in front of me. Nice. So this this sign just says Mamba mentality, a constant quest to be the best version of oneself. Um, but then even better, next to the treadmill, we actually have this photo of Kobe. Shout out to NBA Photos Department. They hooked me up with that one. And then this little sign my girlfriend made me actually says, the shred shed, everything pressure challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise Kobe Ryan quote. So we're, we're big Kobe fans here. Dirk Kobe, Russell Westbrook. Those are my three uh, favorite players, but you know, just, just the level of passion those guys have and approach the game with, I, I've always really respected. And 
you know, the least I can do is throw up some decorations in my little home gym. So <laughs> love that. I mean, and definitely you're, you're, you're naming guys that are incredibly competitive, incredibly fiery. You worked on the Jordan Ducks. So you obviously got a, an inside look on that stuff. So I, I definitely know when it comes to competitiveness, I, 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 know, I know who to call when I need a little motivational pep talk or, or whatever that <laughs> might look like. So I mean, just absolutely love how that's all taking place. But I mean, really all, I mean, whether it's your start, right. Getting, getting, getting into this whole sports world. Cause everyone, everyone talks about how hard it is to work in sports, right. Hearing it from you, right. It's definitely a grind. There's definitely a lot of steps you have to take. If someone goes, I invite our listeners to look at your LinkedIn profile and keep on kick, clicking more experiences. You have to click it three <laughs> times. And when I, when I did it the first time, number one, I was shocked. But number two, I think my, and I've, I have the new M1 MacBook laptop. It actually started lagging for me. I swear. Like I, it actually, like I was trying to scroll back up to like count, count like how many things am I seeing? And it was, it was, it was, it like stuttered for a second. I, I was really confused as to that. that. That has not happened anywhere else. But honestly, if you want to see just what it takes to really make it in this industry, right? And it's only been what, five, six, seven years for you. Take a look at Anthony's LinkedIn profile. It gives you a pretty good snapshot of what it looks like. Some people, maybe it's just, maybe there's two things because it, it was maybe more linear for you, which is great. But a lot of a lot of us really have to do that whole jumping around grind thing. So I'd love, love that and love how you're able to do that. Um, and of course, then now what you're doing straight, she's finding your true passion in the sports world, really not, not, not finding it, but really kind of, I think more making it and kind of creating it because yeah. this, that's not really a, a field that existed. It's like basketball first, right? Right. It's not like you joined that or worked for someone else. You did that yourself. So, yeah. I mean, that Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show because I am just overall blown away by just all this stuff, how much I relate to it personally. And just, I think all the value listeners are going to take from it. I mean, there's just so much. So thank you so much for coming on the show. No, I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this podcast. Obviously, I checked out other episodes. I think everything you're doing is, is amazing. And I'm stoked to see where this podcast goes and who else you're getting on. Like you, you guys definitely have a fan in me and uh, I, I appreciate the time. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing what's next. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.